Welcome to One Action, a podcast by PepsiCo, where we highlight contributors to the sustainability ecosystem across the region. I'm Rona Halabi. I'm joined on the show today by the first female Emirati pastry chef in the region, Sahar Al Awadi. Chef Sahar has worked with the Jumeirah Group here in the UAE and was pastry chef at the Burj Al Arab. So, of course, I have to start by asking about her fascination with cakes and pastries. I, I always say this, just just a simple cake um, with the ingredients coming together. It's, a liqu- it's in liquid form and you add a little bit of heat and time to it and it changes into something amazing, like this cake that everybody celebrates birthdays and weddings and anniversaries with. It's just, it feels very magical to me still. It is. And I, for one, I love pastries and I love cakes. (laughs) So it sounds very, very nice to me. You know, we really wanted to have you here because we always talk about, you know, like sustainability from very different angles. Uh, You know, the consumers, agriculture, so many things. But we don't really talk about chefs. Why did you decide to also work on the sustainability aspect of cooking? It really is about respecting the ingredients. Um, and respecting your environment that the, the environment that you're in, whether it's um, you know offcuts of certain fruits that you use, and this is something that we did a lot at the hotel, and I was very adamant about, is there are instances where you make pastries or you make desserts where you need specific parts of the fruit. Yeah. What happens to the fruit, the parts that you can't use? Um, and that's something that I really push the team to think about um, not taking the easy way out and just throwing away the parts that you don't need. So what we used, for example, to garnish a dessert, um, we would take whatever was left meant that we needed to think what to do with it. Mm. And so that would turn into a jam that we use for afternoon tea. So it's a very cyclical kind of process where you push yourself to think about how to respect the ingredients um, and in the way respecting the farmers that grew the ingredients, respecting the producers that are producing the ingredients and making sure that you're working as a community so that that, the life of that ingredient is being respected. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, how you keep sustainability in mind from beginning to the end, from choosing where you're sourcing your ingredients from until, you know, you decide what you're going to do with it later. Take us through that process. The first step to this is um, choosing seasonality. So understanding what fruits or what vegetables or what ingredients grow in that season. And that already uh, helps you eliminate options that are not helping the environment, right? Because if they're not in season, they're being grown in a way that's against nature. And my process always begins with local and then kind of working like a, an escargot or an onion, basically. So like starting at the center. And if you can't find what you need seasonally in the center where you are, um, start to look at your neighbors um, and then grow that as much as you need to, to find what you need to get. But there's no need for me to, for example, um, buy mangoes from Peru when there are mangoes from India that are closer to me. They'll travel less time to get to me, which means um, 
airtime or ship time or whatever time it takes for them to be imported is less than what it would take for the mango to come from Peru. That means the environmental aspect of it or the environmental impact of it is much less than that. So, so it's the ingredients that are seasonal and closer to you that inspire you? Yes, 100%. Sustainability is also, it's a luxury, right? So like having access to that luxury more often than not. If you're overfishing or over farming, it means you're not having access to that luxury for a long period. It's a short period of time. But you're damaging the environment where, for example, in five or 10 years, you might not have access to that ingredient. It also means understanding what to do with products uh, to make them last longer. So, so preserving or fermenting or jamming. And that's very much specifically part of Emirati culture to preserve, to, to ferment. And what about a big event? And there's a lot of food left as well. What about that kind of wasted food one way to really really uh control that is to eliminate buffets in general buffets to me are a hundred percent a huge waste of a food because there's such an um, abundance of food on the buffet you cannot True. be in a position where there's no food on the buffet um inherently a buffet requests you to have a lot of food and for plates to be full all the time. But that doesn't mean that the guests are eating that all the time. So one of the ways to, to, to really help reduce food wastage is to collectively say, no one do buffets anymore <laughs> so that we can control what we produce. We've come to a place where we overeat um, and controlling portions means helping the environment, eating what you need versus the, the gluttony of more and more and more and more and more food means more and more luxury. That's mm. not luxury. Luxury is, again, being able to have that food for 50 years, mm, not sure. a big portion right now. I mean, responsibility is definitely everyone's. Right. It sounds like there is a lot a chef can do as well to contribute to this uh, to this journey. Um, and you have been doing that. So what would be a challenge that you have been facing to be able to, you know, put this into practice? It's, I think it's, it's easy in the UAE to have access to a lot of ingredients from around the world. And this doesn't happen necessarily in, in the States or in Europe or in Asia, where you have access to literally any ingredient that you get. So we're very privileged in that way here, where I could get the most amazing fruits from Japan. I can get the most amazing fruits from Peru and anything in between that. That's good. Or is that a challenge? It's a challenge because it makes it very easy for people to order imported foods versus looking locally to see what they can find locally. Um, it, it bypasses the local products in, and it bypasses the chefs into thinking, uh, you know, I can get whatever ingredient I want and I can cook whatever I want with those ingredients. Uh, but narrowing down your pool uh, pushes you out of the box to see what's available locally and to see how you can cook with those local ingredients. It's a process and it takes patience. You have to be able to educate people 
And if you can do that for one person and that one person can do it for another person and that person can do it for another person, you have to start somewhere. But there's absolutely no excuse anymore to say that there are no ingredients in the UAE or nothing grows here or I know it's a little bit more restrictive than it is everywhere else. Um, the seasons are a little bit more difficult, summer versus winter. You'll get a lot more stuff in the winter than you get in the summer. Um, but even if for one season or for two seasons, you're cooking more sustainably and more locally, that's still better than a year-long process of importing everything. Um, right now, you'll get amazing quality dairy from Fajera. You'll get amazing quality dates from Al Ain. You'll get amazing quality chocolates from Dubai. Um, you'll get amazing quality honey from, from Sharjah. Just look at, just dig deep. The way you do when you go anywhere else, when you cook or when you live anywhere else and you're like, I want to know what they cook locally. I want to know what the national food is. I want to know what ingredients grow here, what producers are producing here. Look more carefully and build that community and start um, supporting each other. Uh, farmers are more than happy to to grow uh, fruits and vegetables that are new to them, that are in season. But if chefs aren't buying them, it's hard for them to invest in that time and effort um, when it will just go to waste. Definitely. And that bit about education, I think, is also very, very important. You know, yeah. people need to be also aware of this. Yeah. Uh, but how do you think that we can do that? Like, you know, when people go and taste your pastries, do they know that this is actually made with all of this in the back of your mind? Uh, I make sure that they know. <laughs> um, and I always say my pastries aren't just pastries. There, There's always something behind the pastry, whether it's an ingredient that I grew up with or that uh, is part of the UAE's DNA. There's always a story behind it. And, uh, and part of the process of, of, of the pastry is the educational process. And I, and I try to educate people as much as I can, or I try to tell them the story as much as I can um, so that when they have the pastries, it's an experience. It's not just a pastry. Indeed. I love how you talk about food. <laughs> when we come back, we'll get Chef Sahar's tips on how we can all be a bit better about our food waste at home. Welcome back. I'm Rona Halabi, and you're listening to One Action with our guest, Chef Sahar Al-Awadi. If we're to talk about the impact, so you've been doing a lot of efforts. So do you feel the impact of, of your actions and how would you measure that, actually? How do you, what are the reactions that you get from people about this? Uh, I think definitely there are... Um... Or I hope that there are people that that look forward to it a little bit. Or or if I get asked a question, I get really happy. Uh, so if somebody asks me a question about um, the UAE's cuisine or the UAE's agriculture um, or flavors, I get really happy because it means that I've sparked some sort of interest in somebody for them to actually be um, inquisitive about that. Uh, they're baby steps, uh, but again, like I said, you have to start somewhere. And, and and that person asking that question 
hopefully will lead to them spreading that information and that awareness for other people to kind of understand it as well. Mm. And how how do you think we can help? We as the, as the audience, like how how can we also make sure that you know we have sustainability in the back of our minds? So like. Can you tell me what do I do with my food? Like, give me an example. What do I do with whatever I have left over in the fridge? I think asking questions is very important. Asking questions and just being aware. If you know that if you know that you're going to have a lot of food left over in the fridge, or if you're just inherently a person that that has a lot of food left over in the fridge, buy less. Don't buy things that you think will last you a month because something's been done to that food that makes it last for a month. Normal food doesn't last that that long, right? So buy things that um, will last you a couple of days and educate yourself on the shelf life of it, on the nutrition of it, on where it's grown or how it's grown. I, I was speaking to one of my friends who has a tea company and for her, it's important for her to source organic tea, but organic to her doesn't just mean that the soil is organic. Organic to her also means that the farmers are being treated fairly. Um, the environment is is uh, organic and naturally grown. She's um, dealing directly with the farmers. So all of those things take into consideration. You know, I'm really interested to hear like about a, a recipe that you can, you know, Tell the audience, let's say I have a lot of tomatoes in my fridge. What do I do with them? A lot of tomatoes in your fridge. <laughs> or you can pick like whatever ingredient. Just give us like one specific example, one recipe that the audience can try at home. So actually, I'll tell you one thing. One of the things that I I, I just came back from uh, from France, I was working there. And one of the things that I used to do every week is the day before I'd go on my days off, uh, I'd go through the entire fridge uh, and check all of the ingredients, choose all of the ingredients that I thought were coming to the end of their lives and cook a whole meal with it and cook a family meal with it. And what a family meal is, is that you're cooking lunch or dinner for for all of the chefs or at the front of house. Um, team members um, to eat together. So go through your fridge once a week if you need to have people over. So pick a day that you're going to do that. Pick a Sunday or a Monday before you start your week, for example. Um, Take out all of the ingredients, put it on your table, and only cook a meal with that. And that way you're eliminating wastage so you know that like this has three more days left to it. And instead of throwing it out in three days, you're actually putting it to use right now. Um, and, and that's one of the ways that like, we, I was able to, to handle the food costs, reduce our wastage, but also cook a family meal that kind of brings everybody together. That's very interesting. I mean, it, it is definitely something that, you know, anyone who is listening to us can actually try at home. Yeah. Um, Meal prep. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. It looks like, you know, we need to appreciate more what we have. Yeah. Really treat what we have with respect and think that, you know, we have this today, we might not have it tomorrow. So I think 
appreciating the food. They didn't just magically appear, right? <laughs> Somebody took the time to make them. Um, so we, we have to kind of respect that. So how can our audience change the way they perceive their, their fruits or ingredients in general when they go to the supermarket? Uh, one way to look at it is to uh, sort of figure out the hidden costs behind what you're buying. So when you go to the supermarket, for example, and you see a tomato that looks perfect, and um, as human nature, especially if you have a bigger family, you're trying to get more value for what you buy. Um, and if you see that like a tomato looks good and it's cheaper than the other tomatoes, you might be more inclined to to buy those tomatoes. But understanding the hidden costs that just because the price of the tomato is is lower than the rest doesn't mean that the hidden costs aren't there. And the hidden costs are the things that will indirectly, um, directly and indirectly uh, impact you, your community and the environment. And those can be anywhere between um, environmental uh, damaging it could be the fact that the tomato looks good, uh, costs less, but it means that a lot of chemicals or preservatives have gone into these tomatoes to make them look a certain way so that they can be exported and last a longer time on the shelves for you to be able to buy them. Um, whereas farmers um, in the UAE or farmers anywhere actually, when, when they grow, they're not or organic farmers, I would say, are not growing perfect tomatoes or perfect carrots all the time. There are tomatoes and carrots that are misshaped, um, but uh, they taste just as amazing. Um, and those are things to look f after as a consumer, um, because otherwise the farmer has no choice but to throw them away. Um, and not just as consumers, as chefs also, I know we tend to look for the perfect fruit, the perfect shape, the perfect vegetable. Um, but there are ways to use the imperfect ones that yields the same results and has the same flavor. Uh, one of the things that I was speaking to Yazan from Emirates Biofarm, he has a lot of imperfect fruits. And one of the ways that uh, I would have said for him to be able to use those imperfect fruits is to encourage chefs to use it for family meals. So you're building this sort of relationship where the food doesn't go to waste, but you're also making delicious food that kind of brings together your team as well as a family. So there's that sort of connection. And the same can be applied to anybody at home buying those fruits and vegetables at the supermarket. I want to thank Chef Sahar for her very practical tips on how we can all contribute to reduce the way we consume and waste food. That actually brings us to the end of this episode, which is good because I think I need a slice of cake now. You can follow Chef Sahar on Instagram at SaharYP. One Action is brought to you by PepsiCo and is hosted by me, Rona Halabi. We're produced by Murad Bin Ayed, May Barber, Marah Ghurani and Shirak Desai with support from Natalie Hatoum. Thank you for joining us today and see you again next week.